0: Prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his word which begins with prayer let's pray together O oh, gracious father you have called us to come and worship you to be fed by your truth and thereby grow in our spiritual walk with thee continue to lead and guide us grant that we May deny our selfish desires as we seek your kingdom. Give us the grace to take every thought captive to obey Christ. For it is in him we pray, in Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Mom and dad, they sacrificed their lives to save me mom and dad they sacrificed their lives to save me those are the words of a 16 year old named wroteham Matthias as he as he shared that story with a news journalist when the Israeli when this israeli-american teenager and his parents were attacked by the Uh, that by the terrorist group, the Hamas terrorist group, last Saturday. His mother died shooting him. The teenager was also shot, but he survived. And he has kept a bullet that was surgically removed from his abdomen as a reminder, as a memory that he will never forget. Both his parents were killed in in the attack, along with hundreds of others. This story is one of many, many stories resulting from the Hamas terrorist attack on October 11th. That is continuing. Nearly 1,500 people were killed, numerous victims, numerous people that were killed were brutally murdered, which included the savage beheadings of many of them, including some babies, the beheading of some babies. This is evil at its apex. This is evil at its apex, most highest. And again, it's still going on even today. Now, we're learning that the Jewish people throughout the world are in harm's way because the leader of this Hamas terrorist group has put out a call to other terrorist groups to have a, day, a, a global day rage against the Jewish people. What's going on? Who's involved? And how has it come to this point? Please put down your cell phones and pay attention. This conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians Is basically over territory basically over territory this territory is called Palestine that's the that's what this territory is called and has been called for years both the Israelites and the Palestinians claim ownership of this territory called Palestine so let me give you a a, a synopsis a, a, a brief summary of what has taken place up to this point. Now, please note that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict has deep historical roots, has deep historical roots, meaning that it, it goes back centuries and centuries. This modern phase, of this historical conflict can be traced back to to the to the early or to the 19th, to the late nineteenth century and the early twentieth century. Back in 1917, Great Britain, in what was known as the Balfour Declaration, expressed support for the establishment of a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine, in the Palestine territory. Well, obviously that fueled tensions with the Arab communities who were already living in that territory. After World War One. In late 1918, the League of Nations granted Britain the mandate to administer the Palestine Territory, at which time Jewish immigrants from all over the world started migrating to the Palestine Territory. In 1947, the United Nations proposed a partition plan to create a separate Jewish and Arab state in the Palestine Palestine territory. That was the proposal. That plan was rejected by the Arab states. Well, despite this, in 1948, the state of Israel was declared and that led to the Arab-Israeli wars of that time. The conflict has seen has seen multitudes of war since that time. Wars and uprisings and and, 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 and the peace process has been continuous, with the status uh, of Jerusalem being being in conflict with the borders being in conflict, and, and the refugees in the right uh, to return to the, to, the, to the land has been in, in conflict for years and years. Now that, that, this is again, the modern phase of this conflict. However, the conflict between Israel and the Arab states, can be traced back all the way to Abraham. It can be traced back all the way to Abraham. According to Islamic tradition, Arabs associate their descendants through the line of Ishmael, Ishmael, who is the firstborn of Abraham. Born to Hagar, the the slave, the slave woman. She was actually... Sarah's slave. Ishmael is considered by Muslims to be a forefather of the Arab people. With Abraham, Abraham being its patriarch. Now that story, if you recall it, is a lesson learned by Abraham and Sarah of not waiting on the Lord. They became impatient. You remember the story. And Sarah offered her slave, Hagar, to Abraham, who was promised by God to have a son. Now, get this. The Jews trace their ancestry through the line of Isaac. Now, Isaac is the second son of Abraham, born to Abraham's wife, Sarah, the free woman, and through which Judaism and Christianity stem. So what are we seeing here? And, and by the way, and in we in Judaism and Christianity look to Abraham as being their patriarch, our patriarch. Hmm, interesting. What are we seeing here when we look at this? What are we seeing? Well, in the madness of this fallen world, what we're seeing is brothers fighting and murdering brothers. That's what we're seeing going on today and throughout history. My dear friends, what we must note about this conflict, this ongoing conflict that's taking place in Israel is that the the Hamas is a terrorist. It is a fundamental extremist terrorist group. This group's actions does not reflect, it does not represent the majority of the Arab people living, not just in Gaza and throughout the Arab states, the peaceful Arab people that live there. What this extremist group and other extremist terrorist groups have done does not reflect the majority of the Arab people who are peaceful people and living in peace with Israel. But we have a fundamental terrorist organization carrying out this process. In fact, There are thousands, thousands of Palestinian Christians living in Gaza and throughout the world. Thousands upon thousands of Palestinian Christians living there and throughout the world. What is going on in this Hamas-Israeli conflict is grounded, grounded in human history, because it goes all the way back to Abraham. And that's part of human history. This human history, the wars are real. They're part of human history. That human history is written throughout the pages of the Bible. Make no mistake about it. The Bible doesn't claim to be a history book. But again, make no mistake about it. There is history contained in the Bible. Now, it doesn't come out that this is a history book, but do not make a mistake about it. There's history in Holy Scripture. So then when it comes to answering the question, how do we know about Jesus? How do we know about Jesus? Well, we go back to human history. And we go back to the human history that is revealed to us in the Bible, in Holy Scripture. See, virtually everything that we know about God and Christ is revealed to us in its entirety in the Old and New Testaments. But, Many people ask, why should we believe it? How do we know it's true? Well, here's how we do it. Here's just a couple of reasons why I'm just going to really brief. Here's how we do it. History, human history testifies to the Bible. And the Bible testifies to human history. That's how we know it's true. We have seen history history in the Bible, and the Bible will testify about history. And when it comes to knowing about Jesus, our Lord himself, and you just heard it read in the passage that was just read, our Lord himself tells us that all of Holy Scripture, the entirety of Holy Scripture is about him. It was written about him. And so how are we to interpret Holy Scripture, how are we to interpret who Jesus is? Well, we interpret Holy Scripture the way Jesus interprets our Holy Scripture. And he's telling us that Holy Scripture is God's truth, and it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. The entirety of the Bible reveals that the sufferings of Christ are the appointed means to his glory. Unfortunately, the blind blind eyes of humanity cannot reconcile the message of the cross. It does not make any sense. So now here's the question. Here's the the big question to you personally and to us, to all of us. Here's the question. Have your eyes been opened? Have your eyes been opened? Now let's take a, a closer look as, as to why why should we believe the Bible and what it says about Jesus? now there there are many people, multitudes of people who believe that the Bible is legend is a legend, legendary, urban legend if you will and, and they cannot be trusted for that reason. but that premise Is insurmountably it has all these insurmountable problems with that, with because of truth, truth in history. First, the timing of the gospels throw out the the myth that the Bible and the gospels, the gospels are myth or legend. The timing of it because the gospels were written when many of the people that are written about in the gospel and many of the events written about in the gospel the people who observed it the people who even mentioned in it are still alive and so if something was written about and then preached to you in these church uh, house churches that were all over the place if something was said that was not true, the people who were there could say, hey, I was there. That didn't happen. I don't know where you're coming up with that. I was there. I mean, Cleopas, in our passage, was still alive and the person who was with him. And so when Luke penned his gospel and it circulated, they could have they could have easily said, Luke, that didn't happen. But they didn't. They didn't because it did happen. It happened the way it was said. It happened that way. The accurate, It was accurate. The accuracy was not questioned. Further, the accounts written about in the gospel were, again, written just maybe 30 years to 40 years after the events happened. What does that tell us? Again, it tells us that people who saw these events take place were still alive. They were still living. Think about, okay, think about if you were one of them, if you were a person that was a part of the feeding of the 5,000, you were heard about this, this preacher that was going around preaching and doing all these miracles, and you've Decided to take your family, your wife, and your kids, and you followed them all the way to a mount where you listened to them speak God's truth. And then as it was getting late, you were telling your wife, Sandy, saying, hey, we got to get these boys. We got to go and eat something. And then we hear that Jesus is going to feed us. And like, okay, there was five. The the Bible tells us there's 5,000 men. It doesn't include the wives and the children. So we're talking about 15 to 20,000 people who were about to be fed. And they were told to sit, let's sit down. Well, let's wait to see what happened. They were fed. So if you're one of them, if you were there, and then all of a sudden you hear in the gospel, you read in all four gospels that, they, that Jesus fed 5,000, you would know if that was true. And if it wasn't true, legend or not, it would disappear because it was a lie, but it's not. It's true. It is and uh, the, the another reason why this myth about it being a legend is is that the content of the the accounts written about in the gospel are too counterproductive to be legend. See, if I was going to create a legend about I don't know Sasquatch or something. I would, I would make up stuff that wouldn't be counterproductive. Everything that I would make up, and I had a, a bunch of guys that wanted to make up a legend like me, we would make up stuff that wouldn't be offensive to you. We would make up stuff that would be, yeah, that sounds good, sounds good. That's not the way it is in scripture. That's not the way it is in the gospel. They The gospel tells us things that are offensive. The gospel states things that are offensive to the people living at that time offensive to them that's counterproductive they wouldn't make up stories about the this this road to Emmaus and and these two people who were meaningless and it wouldn't say stuff like well these two people their eyes hadn't been opened it would say it would it would fabricate everything you know it would say yeah know no we knew it was Jesus you know no it said no their eyes were closed They didn't know who he was. And they wouldn't make mention about the massive confusion and all the doubts that were going on about Jesus after his crucifixion. The the apostles, the disciples were totally confused. They were hiding. There was doubts among the disciples and 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 the apostles. Doubts about what have we done? We were duped. It tells us that that's what they were having doubt. There was massive confusion. (coughs) It would not tell us that there were women who saw angels appear, appear to them, angels. Women saw a vision of angels appearing to them saying that Jesus lives. Now today it's different. Now back then, like women were like not even second class second class citizens. They were less than that. Their word couldn't be trusted. That doesn't that the gospel pays no mind to that. It just tells us that that that's the way it was because that's the way it happened. It happened that way. That brings us to the third problem. Against the people who claim that the stories of Jesus are legendary, the accounts of the resurrection. There were over 500 witnesses who saw Jesus in his resurrected body. Over 500 witnesses. It talked about the the road to Emmaus and how far it was from Jerusalem. It talks about the confusion that those two. Uh, Cleopas and the other person that was with him. The confusion that they were in. And it talks about how Jesus rebukes them. Rebukes them for what they're saying. Rebukes them for not believing what was written about him Jesus in all of scripture. So what does it mean? What does this all mean? It means that the Son of God Jesus Christ himself is telling us that what was what has been written about him in Scripture is true. God the Son is telling us what is written about him in the Bible is true. Every part of the Bible tells us something about Jesus and about how God redeems us through him. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the true Adam who passed the test in the garden. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the true Moses who leads us out of slavery. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the true Job, the innocent sufferer who intercedes for his people. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the true Daniel. I'm sorry. That Jesus is the true David, whose victory became his people's victory. Even though we never lifted a stone to accomplish this victory, he does all the work. The Bible tells us. Now, now we know clearly that this is not legendary. But how do we know it's true? How, How do we know it's God's word? How do we know that? Well, God tells us it's his word. He authenticates it. The Bible authenticates itself. It tells us in in the Bible that it is God's word. And God's servants tell us this. Who wrote the Bible? Moses wrote the Bible. And the Bible tells us that God spoke to Moses face to face. Now, he couldn't see God, but God spoke to him. The Bible tells us that the prophets spoke. Thus said the Lord. Thus says the Lord, that God God spoke through his prophets. Truth, divine truth. And Jesus, Jesus tells us that the Bible is God's word. So what do we need to hear when we read a passage like this? Well, when we reflect on the war going on between the Israelis and the Palestinians, we reflect uh, on the reality of what's going on and how it came all about throughout history. And what the Bible says, the Bible reveals the truth of what's going on throughout history. There's a quote that I read in an article this week about a man named Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said it well when he wrote this. When we try to make sense about what's going on, he wrote this years ago. He says, the line separating good and evil passes not through states nor between classes, nor between political parties, but right through every human heart and through all of human hearts. The answer to the problem of what's going on in Israel today, in Gaza, Gaza, and the answer to what is going on throughout the world today, and then even in our society, the answer is the gospel. The gospel is the answer. The gospel is so urgently needed. People, oh so many people, need to hear the gospel message. Only Jesus, only Jesus, can change the hearts of these terrorists. Only Jesus can and will bring peace to the world. Only Jesus can forgive the deepest depravities of the human heart. Only Jesus can bring lasting peace to the human condition. The two people in our passage walking on the road to Emmaus, their eyes we kept from recognizing Christ because of the blindness of this fallen world. God tells his prophet Isaiah, whom he is sending out. See, God is sending Isaiah out to the world as he is sending us out to the world to share the gospel. He tells us that the people in the world are ever hearing but never understanding. He says, Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Their hearts will be calloused and their ears will be dull and their eyes will be closed. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and turn and turn and be healed. Well, now. It is God himself that's opening the hearts, that's opening the eyes, that's opening the ears and allowing us to see the truth of the gospel. And it is God who is allowing us to turn, to turn to Christ and be healed. That's how you're saved. That's how I'm saved. That's how we're all saved. It is a God thing. It is wonderful in our eyes. that, That goes back to the question of just a few minutes ago. Have your eyes been opened? If they have, you have been healed. And you can never, ever lose that healing. Let's pray. Gracious. You've been listening to Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching his word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.